Welcome to The Kindness Project, the podcast designed to share stories of kindness and share how kindness can make positive change in our world, one small act at a time. This week on The Kindness Project, we talk about Molotov cocktails, life's theme tune and part one of the interview with Bernadette Russell. Welcome to The Kindness Project. I'm joined by the man who drinks one too many Molotov cocktails that's good for his, good for his system. Uh, I, I, I've never drunk a Molotov cocktail in my life, but we will tell the story about why you think Molotov cocktails are alcoholic. And I'm joined by a girl who's so smiley, her theme tune should be Farrell's Happy. It's Charlotte Ames. So you're happy? I'm happy. I'm warm, but I'm happy. <laughs> it's hot, hot and happy today, isn't it? Yeah, it's too hot for me, this weather. You know what? I, I had a conversation with somebody the other day, and I said to them, how are you getting on? And they went to me, perfect, but too hot. Now, the reality is, you cannot be perfect, and then the first thing you say after talking about your perfection is, is a moan. I mean, I don't, I don't, that makes no sense to me. You can't be perfect and then too hot in the, in the same, in the same description. Don't know what that means at all. So, do you, do you want to share why you're um, talking about Molotov cocktails? Basically, this guy over here. <laughs> this guy over here. So, somebody you just we met. Were, we were talking about the Russian Revolution with Stalin, and he goes, you know, Stalin's cabinet, Molotov, the great Molotov cocktail. And I'm like. And then Charlotte went, oh, I don't know what Molotov cocktail is. I'm not a big fan of cocktails. I don't really drink alcohol. Uh, uh, not realising that actually the Molotov cocktail was a weapon. Why was it called a cocktail? Is it because there was a cocktail of different... It's a combination of different... Yeah, a combination of different materials. So it is a cocktail, but just not one you'd consume. Or you'd have one or two and then probably leave it, wouldn't you? You have one or two and they probably die. <laughs> yeah, true, true. Um, and actually, I think Molotov did die in the end. He got killed by Stalin, which is a happy story. Great way to start the kindness project. Just uh, uh, should we talk about Stalin? I mean, that's not like one of the least kind people in human history. Next, next week on the kindness project, Genghis Khan. And the, uh, <laughs> um, so. Um, what do you think your um, What do you think your th- theme theme tune, apart from happy, would be? Um, I don't know. I think it'd be something very happy in the song. The song, the music would be really happy, but the lyrics would just be completely thrown. Oh, you know what? The best band I know for that is uh, the. Joy Division are good for that. The Cure are good for that. Yeah. The Smiths are good for that. Yeah. Um, so, like, have you ever heard Girlfriend in a Coma? No. That is an awesome song. <laughs> and actually, quite upbeat, but the lyrics are proper downbeat. I will play you Girlfriend in a Coma, uh, just so you... Because I think the, what you just described, upbeat tune, downbeat lyrics, is, is, is perfect for that. Um yeah. Uh, so today's question of the podcast, funny enough, is if what would, would you reckon my theme tune would be if I had a theme tune? Something very optimistic. Okay. Always look on the bright side of life. Yeah. I like that. Yeah, because it's just like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, I like the bit that just goes, cheer up, Brian. And, he, and there's a slight Brian instead of Brian. Brian. Cheer up, Brian. Yeah, ain't too bad. Um, I love that. Always looking at Brian as alive, I'm having. Yeah. But you know. <laughs> but yeah. Irish. There wasn't one Irish person persecuted by the Romans, I don't think. Well, there might have been, but I don't know. I don't know whether there was or not. Yeah. Oh, cheer up, Brian. Uh, we shouldn't do accents on this podcast at all, should we? Um, cheer up, Brian. Um, um, so I think always looking at the Brian's alive might be it. But also, because uh, of that thing where we do talk a lot about knowing you're going to die, memento mori, knowing you're going to die is actually a motivator in life because you want to, you don't want to waste it. So I, I think, I always look at the bright side of life, I can, yeah, I can, I can get beyond that. what um, memento mori translates to exactly? Go on then. Remember is it? Death. Yeah, absolutely. Always remember death because it means that you can make your life more meaningful. I thought memento mori was uh, Latin for Molotov cocktail. Um, uh, <laughs> so how can people... Oh, sorry, the question of the podcast is, what, if you could pick your own theme tune for your life or your attitude or you as an individual, what would it be? Something very optimistic in no, no, I've asked, I'm going to, you know, I've asked you, I was asking our listeners what would it be. So listeners, feel free to contact us by doing the following. Oh, yes, the email. Um, hola at thekindnessproject.co.uk. That's H-O-L-A at thekindnessproject.co.uk. Twitter is at hola. Oh, hola. 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 Twitter is at hola, H-O-L-A, kindness. Uh, and then what's next? Ooh, uh, Our own personal Twitter profiles. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'm at Chris Dames, C H R I S, D for Delta, E for Alpha, E for Echo, M for Mother, S for Swizzle. <laughs> <laughs> and unless some aliens have taken on my brain and changed my Twitter account, it's at Charlotte J Dames, C H A R L O T T E J D A E M S. And we'd like to know. This week, what your uh, your theme tune for your life would be uh, if you got to choose it. Yeah. So shall we have a little bit of kindness news? Yeah. Are you are you ready for kindness news? Mm. You sure? <laughs> yeah. Normally, talking works on a podcast better than just going. Mm. So, I've told everybody what we're doing. Would you like to do the jingle? <laughs> what edition? Football edition. Football. Uh, and what kind of football are you talking about? You World Cup. World Cup. Uh, kindness News World Cup edition. Tell us about some World Cup edition yes. Kindness News. Kylie and Mbappe. Yeah. That's how you say his name. Or not. <laughs> I have no idea. I'm sorry if I'm slaughtering someone's name. Kylie and Ashamed the French. Um, Mbappe. Yeah, it's MB. He was the young guy who was on the French team, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah, like uh, 19 year olds. Yeah. He's going to hand over all his earnings from the World Cup. Okay. Which is 681000. 000. 000. 000. 000. 000. 000. 000. 000. 000. 000. 000. 000. 000. 000. 000. 000. 000. 000. 000. 000. 000. 000. 000. 000. 000. 000. 000. 000. 000. 000. 000. 000. 
to a charity called Premier de Decorde. Mm. Yeah. Uh, I'm so glad you didn't book French as a GCSE. <laughs> Premier Decorde. <laughs> We're going to give the cash to this firm called Premier Decorde. What a Premier. No, I did very well speaking. Anyway. Not in that ex- No, no, I didn't. Um, Basically, what this charity does is they give free sports in, in instruction to hospitalised and disabled kids in sports. Love it. Absolutely and love it. All his World Cup earnings to them. Yeah. He's a good player, though. He's not sure of a quid or two, but I think... Well, he scored a couple of goals, I think. Yeah. four in the time of... Are you reading that? Because you didn't watch much of the World Cup, did you, at all? You weren't no, into the World Cup. <laughs> but I think if you're lucky enough to... Um, uh, be talented enough to like play at top level football. You should also be grateful enough to turn around and go right. How am I going to? How am I going to give back? Yeah. And there are specific players who get that their what they get to do is um, highly rewarded and uh, uh, is an absolute privilege, and they do give back in in spades. So I, I love that. Like this dude. Like this dude, Mbappe. Was did you say his name? Was? Mbappe. 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 But yeah, excellent news. Well done. Is that the only piece of World Cup related kindness yeah, news you've got? It's a good enough for me. So, so this week we've got an interview, yeah. and uh, this week we're interviewing Bernadette Russell, um, uh, who wrote the Little Book of Kindness, a book I read a little while ago now, and I loved it, absolutely loved it. So she's also a performance artist. Uh, actress, writer, um, lives in South London, um, uh, tries to uh, work out ways to be kind to people every single day, which is incredible. Um, but also check out, put Bernadette Russell into YouTube and you'll find her um, her theatre show because um, that was the, one of the kindness one of the one of the kindest and one of the funniest theatre shows that I've seen in a long time. So that was really good. Um, we've got part one this week and part two next week. Should we get on with part one? Yes. Hi Bernadette, how are you? I'm all right, thank you. How are you? Yeah, really, really good, thanks. Um, thanks for coming on. Uh, I loved, can I just say, I loved your um, YouTube video of your play explaining your project. Um it was really good, really good fun. But it, you know, we'd forgotten that it was on YouTube. <laughs> Did you? I said to Gavin, I said, I said he's seen it. I said, is it on YouTube? And we both looked, yeah, we'd forgotten. I think it used to be on a private setting when it was touring. Oh, right, okay. No, but it's really good, actually. It, um, yeah, we, we, we did a, we toured it for kind of a couple, couple of years and we're just talking again this year about Doing it again. Yeah. Yeah, well, I, I, I'm sort of glad it is public because, number one, all of your confessions at the start about how you've not been particularly kind did make me laugh, um, particularly your um, your friend in Greece, um, which... <laughs> Which like, uh, 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 the videos the videos now public and so is her name Bernadette. How can you do that to her? It's funny she said to me because um, uh, she told a few of us that story. She said everybody's used it as the story of um, 
the story of sort of ultimate followed by embarrassment. Yeah, no, that that's uh, yeah, as a person. Since then, um, other extraordinarily embarrassing things have happened to her, which I won't. I'm not going to share. Position, <laughs> but yeah, she's one of those. Just, yeah, but she just took took it in a stride. I think she was quite proud. Yeah, you know, we've all got one mate, haven't we? I think that mate might be me. That's the problem. Do you know what I mean? That that that's that's the challenge. I'm I'm the one who who tends to. I, I'll tell you this story. My um when I was when I was 17, I slept walk out of my out my house, um wearing just my pajamas, um uh, bottoms but no top, um and I told the kids because I thought it'd be a funny story to share. So Sophie, my six year old, came back the other day and went. Dad, do you remember that time um, you slept walk out the house in just your bottoms and no top? I went, yeah. She went, yeah, I've told all my class. <laughs> Just told everybody in her school. I went, what did they do? Um, and I went, they all, they all laughed. I was like, okay. And then I went, "What? how did it come up? And my six-year-old Bernadette just went, yeah, it was just in conversation. I was like, how, how does that happen? How does a conversation like that actually occur? I don't know. I don't know. But, but it was it was good all the same. Um, uh, so, so. Used to be embarrassed, didn't it? Uh, no, I, you know what? I think you know. I, I like a good. I like a good story, and I think stories like that are not the worst in the world. And um, where did your 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 partner's name's Gareth, right? Where did he learn those funky dance moves that I saw on the YouTube video? He's never rehearsed it. He just broke out a different dance. <laughs> so when you when you take it on tour, does he um does he change the dance moves? He does, yeah. He he kind of allows um whatever inspires him that particular night to come out. Yeah, whatever whatever's flowing, he will do. Yeah, I like it. I like it. Um, actually, during the course of the second year that we toured it, he was he was quite ill. Okay. And he had um he's fine now, but he had uh, he had to have various operations and stuff, and he still broke out all the dance moves it was heroic awesome um, yeah he danced his way back to health <laughs> that, that, maybe that maybe that's the key you know maybe they should sort of teach that in rehabilitation just the power of dance as a as a rehabilitative re- rehabilitative thing um so so we've been chatting there for a few minutes but um you haven't told me anything about you for our listeners so tell me a little bit about you Bernadette Russell and I um, well in relation to what we're talking about now I um, well I say I'm an artist that sounds terribly pretentious but it's basically generally covers all the different things I do mainly I'm a writer but I also make theatre and sometimes with installations and stuff okay I run a storytelling club and um, but um, so I was sort of getting on with doing all of those things and I've been through shows and um, etc etc and um, in the midst of all that, but not as a project, just as a sort of human thing, I was in Edinburgh. Yeah. And, uh, I was hungover, which is sort of contractually. <laughs> <laughs> you just, yeah. It's what artists do, right? Yeah, one feels obliged to yeah get drunk in Edinburgh. So I, and I, I love the Edinburgh Festival. It's fantastic. I'm yeah, like, so oh. do I. Yeah, it's great okay. up there, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's fantastic. It's like a little bubble. Well, actually, that's sort of part of the story because it's it's completely self-contained. So while you're up there, you kind of lose track of the rest of the world. It's a yeah. bit like going into Narnia, but yeah. Narnia of people drank cocktails. Yeah. So it was there and um, having a nice time. And um, 
I was having some breakfast with my friends in this cafe called the City Cafe, which I always go in, mm. and the telly was on, but they, they had the sound down, and um, there were the images from London. This, is, this, this was in 2011 yeah. when the rockets broke out in London. Yeah. And actually, because the sound was down, it kind of made it worse. It looked yeah. worse because you couldn't hear what the report was initially. It just looked like, like wow, is that being like a civil war or something? Yeah. It's extraordinary. And then as the day went on, the story unfolded. It sort of broke us out of this sort of theatre bubble that we'd been in. Yeah. And, you know, we were trying to contact people back home. Yeah, yeah. Back at home, I contacted him. He was kind of okay. We're from Deptford, uh, lovely Deptford in South East London, yeah. which wasn't affected, but around it was. And I had lots of friends in Tottenham, which was where it started. And, you know, so was trying to get in touch with people. But the main thing for me was that, was the reaction, which was, understandably fearful yeah. and it's, you know people panicking and locking themselves in their houses yeah. but, but there was another reaction which was really unpleasant which yeah. was this anti-poor yeah. anti-anyone that wasn't white yeah, yeah, yeah. reaction to it which somehow came from this we had uh, you know David Starkey saying white people become black and the Daily Mail doing the you know Richard Littlejohn and the Daily Mail saying yeah. um, um they should be clubbed like baby seals. Yeah. You know. it's sort of, it's I, mean, I mean, I understand. I'm sorry, I sort of mentioned names then, but I think it's important because I think that I think it sparked lots of things in me. And one of them was I like there's you, you have a responsibility when you have any sort of public platform yeah. to, to to not increase sort of fear and hate. Yeah. I think. Yeah. You have a moral responsibility actually, but the, it was so hateful. And, you know, the courts were open for 24 hours. I was like, yeah, the courts weren't open for 24 hours when, you know, the bankers stole all of our money. Yeah, yeah. Court, courts are suddenly open because because of it. And, and you know, a girl, a, a woman I heard about got a prison sentence for two years for accepting a bottle of water. She hadn't even stolen a bottle of yeah, water. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was just really, it was really unpleasant. Um, and, but I felt sorry for people as well. I understood the fear. Yeah. So I came back to London, everyone was going, you mustn't, you can't go back. Like it was, it turned into sort of Blade Runner or something. <laughs> and I, so I, I went back because I booked a ticket back and it's hellishly expensive to change it last minute. So I was yeah. just like, I'm going to get my train. I came back in and it was quiet, but yeah. weird in London. And my, my neighbours were very upset because their brother's shop had been completely trashed. Yeah, yeah. But then really positive things started to come out, like um, a, fr- a man who's since become a friend of mine, Dan Thompson, started a thing called Riot Cleanup. Yeah. We got gangs of people together to clean up their mess. Yeah. Which was amazing. Cedric wasn't even a Londoner, he's from Worthing. Yeah. And, and um, he got all that organised. There were lots of people uh, in Peckham, people covered a wall with post it notes saying, basically saying, we love Peckham, don't don't trash our community. Yeah. And there began to be a sort of better conversation about it. But for me, it was, a, to be honest with you, Chris, it was a bit of a, I think for a long time, underneath the surface, not really as a conscious thing, I've been thinking, I'm really enjoying, uh, I, I write a lot of sort of, um, sort of inspired by history, I suppose, yeah. a lot of my kids. And I just written this play about Victorian, the, the discovery of anesthetics in the 19th century, yeah. yeah. which was a comedy, even though it doesn't sound like it's very funny. And it was great, but I was like, I'm not sure... You know, I want. I sat. I remember. I wanted to make a difference. I don't know. I wanted to make the world a more positive place. Yeah. That's not to say that comedies and theatre doesn't. Yeah. But 
when confronted with this, I started thinking about everything else. What can you do to take action to do it? Yeah, yeah, and I will see that. Do you um? So do you think having a you know one one of the things that uh, one of the things that sort of I'm thinking about a lot at the minute is uh, gratefulness and how important that is in sort of understanding our, our kind. Do you think having a an understanding of how lucky we are today comes from having a sense of history? Yeah, 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 absolutely nailed it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, attitude's hugely, hugely important and actually massively beneficial to your mental health. Anyway. Yeah, agreed, agreed. Um, you get up and encouraged, can't you, to moan? Yeah. It actually doesn't do you any good. Well, you know, you know what, I think, I think there's two there's two elements of what you said there. Number one is the sort of element of something like that happens, and suddenly all the first thing that certain individuals do, and unfortunately individuals with certain platforms, is they start to point fingers. And we, and actually that never solves the problem, does it? It's it's actually understanding what's underneath in terms of the sort of what we do about the societal issues is more important than turning around and sort of dehumanizing people but you you tend to find that you know uh, in a lot of occasions where something as sort of a flashpoint occurs um the people come out and and it starts getting typically quite um quite negative but on the other hand uh your flashpoint inspired you to be kind so do you think people need a flashpoint to say you know what i need to change something and was that the case for you yeah it's interesting isn't it it's kind of a hard one to answer i think i was i think i was i wasn't particularly aware of it this way. I, think yeah. I was looking for something more i was looking yeah so perhaps something else might have sparked i can't i don't know yeah perhaps yeah might have it was very impulsive i literally got home went to the post office Ended up giving this boy 50p because he didn't have enough money for stamp. Yeah. And on the, on the way home, thought I'm going to do this every day. Awesome. It wasn't planned. It was nothing. I mean, a lot, a lot of people that are sort of involved in the movement, if you can call it that, are a lot more organised than me and started up charities and yeah. organisations, and that's brilliant. But I wasn't like that, and I've never been. It was more sort of yeah. impulsive. And I think lots of people. It, and since then, I've met a lot of people who some things just sparked it, and I just thought, right, that's enough. Sure. I, I'm gonna. So you can either sink into a sort of despair, you can respond to fear and the message of fear and the message of hate, yeah. or you can respond with hope and with love. Yeah, and with yeah, with with just. And but I, I, you know what? I think the, the the and this is the other interesting thing because we're we're interviewing people for the kindness project at the minute who have done sort of big grand gestures, and that's awesome, right? You know, starting charities and you know. Get, getting thousands of people together and doing that sort of stuff is great um uh but i think that what went reading your book and sort of watching your uh, show what inspired me was it doesn't take that you don't need to be that sort of person to 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 think about that some of the acts of kindness that uh, you can do are just really simple you know giving somebody 50p in the post office is yeah, will make their day better and it will make you feel happier, right? Yeah, I mean, uh, I think it's important because most people do not have the facility, yeah. the opportunity or the time or energy to, to start a charity. And yeah. I'm not criticising that, it's brilliant. Yeah. I think it's really important because because actually those things are vital, but, but the practice of, of 
the practical practice of daily just being kind in your life, being yeah. nice to your neighbours, smiling at people, helping people out with luggage, all of that stuff. That's kind of what makes the that's what makes the world go round. Yeah. And, uh, and also, it's possible for everybody there, and it's possible for me. I was really busy that whole year. I was doing it wasn't. Yeah. You know, I still had my regular life. Yeah. And 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 I suppose since then, people have said, "Oh, don't you want to start something? Don't you want to, you know, make it into an organisation?" Yeah. I thought there are already things that exist, yeah. so I can join them. Yeah. Um, and no, I don't really. It was more about responding as a human being. Yeah. I think the, the vital message is, you know, you don't you don't have to run seven marathons in a row. Yeah. You don't have to climb Everest, even though all of those things are brilliant. You don't have to start a international charity. Yeah. You can just do small them. things. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And take the opportunities and notice the opportunities. But the other thing is, you start to notice kindness in the world, and that's you do. A, a huge benefit. To you do. So. Um, in in your book, little book of kindness, which I've I've got to admit I'm only a third of the way through. I I got I got it on Saturday, so I'm gonna I'm gonna finish reading it. Um, hopefully over the next few days. Um, you talk about why it's important to be kind to yourself. Why do you why do you think it is important to be kind to yourself? Well, I think I'm like, I think I'm still learning about that. I've okay. Other people about sort of self compassion, and I certainly I would say wasn't very kind of that first year. Yep. And I got really frazzled and sort of exhausted. And every time someone said to me, "You need to be kind to yourself," I would then, back then, be like, "No, yes." But everybody says that it's really important to be kind to other people. But actually, and then my friend said to me, um, that when she was a little girl, she was eight years old, and she was on an aeroplane. Okay. And her mum said, she said to her mum, "Why is the um, air steward saying that the grown-ups have to put their mask on?" if there's an accident, oxygen mask before they come yeah. into the gym. And her mum said, well, you have to you have to do that. You have to help yourself so you're able to help other people. Yeah. And she it really stayed with her and sort of taught her about self-compassion. Yeah. So I think, one, yeah, you just have to keep your strength that up. Yeah. But two, I think we, we are, as well as receiving sort of messages of fear and hate about the world in general, yeah. We're also bombarded with those messages about ourselves. We're supposed to look a certain way. We're supposed to be a certain yeah, way. Yeah, yeah. The, the definitions of success uh, and happiness and ambition yeah. are too narrow and framed in capitalism. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And there, are, there are other ways. And so you can start thinking, oh, you know, I'm not tall enough, I'm not thin enough, I'm not rich enough. Yeah. Everyone feels like that. Yeah. So, I mean... I mean, you're right. I mean, effectively, that a lot of those messages come from the fact that people want to sell you stuff, um, and 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 even though capitalism in itself isn't bad, you need to be selective about the elements that you uh, buy into, and and that takes a bit of a filter, doesn't it? You know, to to not let that those negative messages sort of uh, come across. Um, just, I'm just just curious. Um, how many because in the book you had the sort of opportunistic acts of kindness where you saw somebody who needed some money for the stamp and then you had your planned ones now the planned one I like the most um, and I'm thinking about pinching it actually if I'm being perfectly frank is um, your Valentine's Day one where you give out loads of cards Um, but how many of your acts of kindness were planned and how many were intentional 
I'm sorry, no. Planned and intentional were exactly the same thing. Let me rephrase that again. How many were planned and how many were just, op- yeah, you had the opportunity to, to, to help? Well, press one calendar and say, so I do that every year now. Okay. Because, um, for, so um, um, try to sort of promote that a little bit. I think um, Valentine's Day sort of deserves to be hijacked a little bit. Okay. The broader uh, festival of love. So, yeah, do it. Join, join in. Okay. Um, secondly, what I had to, what I decided to start doing was sort of plan something in case an opportunity didn't arise. Because sometimes it didn't. Gotcha. I was in in the house so I didn't meet anyone yeah because the first year it was all to strangers yeah um sometimes it was just because it was impractical because I wasn't very well or was dashing about yeah. so I always sort of had something planned which would get put to one side if the opportunity was but also quite often I did more than one thing in a day yeah I would just record one um yeah and that was quite good fun so I tried to make them really creative okay um, and um yeah um to do sort of, I said I put quite a lot of messages out on social media yeah. asking people if they knew anyone that wanted a surprise. Yeah, and I would just think about creative ways of doing that. So that kind of kept, keeps your interest in it as well because yeah. that's that's you know that makes it easier if you're going to try and do it every day. Yeah. So you get you. So so did you? If you did two in a day, did you stack one up for the next day? Is that how it worked? <laughs> <laughs> I was really strict. Yeah. Um, I'm glad as well, actually, because there's something interesting um, about daily practice. I agree. Yeah, I agree. It's, I suppose it's like if you do yoga every day, if you do meditation every day, um, there's something about that. It's, it's like tra- it felt like my marathon or something. Yeah. So that was the first part of our interview with Bernadette Russell. She's nice, isn't she? Mm. She's so nice. Um, and we'll have part two next week. Yeah. It's the end! No, it's the end! And it's also incredibly hot, isn't it, Charlotte? I have taken my jumper off. Luckily, I was wearing a vest <laughs> off underneath. That says, weirdly, Permade. I've never seen that t shirt on you. Oh, I wear it on Sunday. Oh, dear. Yeah. Well, funny you should mention that because the end is never the end because we always have. <coughs> <laughs> Question of the podcast. Last week, this week, this week, last week. And uh, interestingly, your permade uh, uh, related comment that you only wear it on holiday is pertinent this week because question of the uh, podcast last week no. pertinent because you're a permaid um it was what's your funniest travel story and last week we talked about some of the travel stories that you found was amused uh, you uh, made you laugh particularly being covered in mud and you know what i missed what you belly dancing oh. top yeah, that was a bit embarrassing. Let's should we quickly move past that one? And his top tucked down, and he was Let's be honest, you cannot belly dance with a top, can you? The, the whole idea of belly dancing is that you dance showing your belly. I mean, otherwise it'd be called dancing, wouldn't it? It'd just be called dancing. What if you're still using your belly? Yeah, but you need to show your belly, I think, to do a proper belly dance. 
Listeners, that's a quandary for you. Can you really call a belly dance a belly dance? If you're not showing your belly. If you're not showing your belly. So we had some really good answers this week. Um, Victor Sachs, friend of the show? Not sure. Okay, nearly. Said, so, with a wife, Lake District, new A3 convertible, beautiful sky, but unbeknownst to us, it was windy. I want to get out and view the sunset. He opens the door, the door flies open and almost opens to 180 degrees. Uh, I'm in tears, the door's uh, damaged, wife is laughing, then we go up to a hill by a foot to the view and then he falls in some sheep poo and he found that really funny. Um, and then he's just slipping and he's doing like a cartoon run where his legs are moving like that. Again, not good for a podcast, but like a roadrunner style run. Um, not the ones with uh, clouds, but you can see his little legs. Exactly. And then he falls flat on his back. His wife is laughing again. Victor's wife is doing a lot of laughing in this story. I agree with you. This is a hilarious situation. And she still laughs. Again, still laughing. 15 years later, whenever anyone mentions the Lake District. So the Lake District to her is... uh, uh, Etched in Victor's wife's memory as... The district that he fell in some sheep poo in. Um, Jane Hodges, a new contributor, uh, not for, yet friend of the show, but thanks for the contribution, Jane. You've done that a couple of times now. Uh, Jane Ho- Hodges said, My other half rod um, once ended up in a Sri Lankan brothel. It was supposed to be a nightclub with some strange looking women, locked doors, no windows, and no menu for drinks. Escaped into the middle of nowhere laughing so hard from relief and amazingly found a tuk-tuk who couldn't believe he had found these two westerners on a dark road in the early hours of the morning. Didn't feel lives endangered through experience, but wallets and dignity definitely needed protecting. We've had so many more adventures. So wondering, have you ever wandered into a Sri Lankan brothel? It's a brothel. It's a place where uh, prostitutes hang out. <laughs> so I, 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 I they were prostitutes, or they? Uh, I think the word might be punters, uh, but they weren't. They just wandered in accidentally. John Cook, friend of the show, said me and Mark uh, forgot where our hotel was the first time we went to Amsterdam. We spent three days at a music festival um, and we were at Central Station with Marco trying to find the hotel details on his phone with his phone repeatedly saying, I don't understand. In the end, we took a walk and found a much nicer hotel. Wasn't great at the time, but looking back on it, very funny. <laughs> Yeah, so so the, have you ever, listeners, lost your hotel? That would be a good question. Um, Dean Cook said, flying from Gatwick several years ago for a golf holiday, we'd all checked in and I needed to use the, the loo. I'm sitting in my cubicle concentrating when suddenly I had a guy in the next toilet cough and a second, second later a set of dent- dentures hit the floor and roll under the partition to the cubicle. Uh, I remember just sitting there staring for a few se- seconds thinking, there's some false teeth that's rolled into the toilet while I'm doing the loo. What should I do? Um, uh, 
so I picked them up, asked if he, he was okay. Then all of a sudden, a hand comes from under the cubicle and starts grabbing the gnashes until he fight, found them. So he found them on his own. So that was our holiday-related um, stories. That, listeners, is true. Just a couple of questions uh, that rise from that that you can help us with. Number one, have you ever lost your hotel? <laughs> Number two, have you ever lost your teeth? <laughs> Number two, have you ever lost your teeth? Number three, have you ever accidentally walked into a, a brothel? <laughs> I don't know. And number four, have you ever accidentally or purposefully slipped on sheep's poo up in the Lake District? So, or anywhere for that. Or anywhere. Oh, yeah. If you have another fun indoor story in the Lake District. Yeah, well, if you've got, yeah, that, that's the follow up question. Have you got your own Lake District story? Or is there a place where people go, you know what, that is really, um, that is really a place that always makes me laugh because of what happened there? And on that note, goodbye. It's truly the end. It's just the end. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. Bye.